Uh, where are we doing? Oh, my cough sounds like crap today. Oh, we're recording. Hello. This is Lenny D'Angelo. Uh, I have been doing a very ill-fated series on perspective drawing. Right? Been talking about that at length. The thing of it is, I want to diverge for a moment uh, and talk instead about uh, a, a related and yet uh, com- a little bit different, off, a little bit of a stream off to the side. What are those called? An inlet? A, 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 uh, uh, I don't know what that's called. In Domino's, it's the chicken foot. What do they call that? A, a tributary. There we go. And the tributary is um, something on my mind uh, lately. Something I need to, to, to hash out uh, 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 using uh, words and whatnot. Uh, is it how? What is it? Oh, it's how the Breakfast Club is a shit movie with a with a questionable ending. Uh, this thing was on TV over the the holidays, so I saw it again, and I just want to know, how am I supposed to feel about uh, John, aka the criminal, pumping his fist in the air and having a little half jump at the end of the, of the movie, as the, uh, the the Simple Minds ballad, Don't You Forget About Me, swells over the credits, how am I supposed to feel about that, Breakfast Club had one Arguably two redeemable characters in the whole thing. Maybe three if you count Brian's mom who drops him off in a station wagon with all the other kids. But well, let's leave her out of the picture. There's only one really ultimately redeemable character in the whole film. And it is Brian. <coughs> because Brian ain't do nothing wrong. He's just a dumb kid. Uh... You could argue that Ali Sheedy, I can't remember her name, because because she's she's unnamed. I think most of the film. You could argue that Ali Sheedy is a redeemable character as well, except that she's a lunatic. Eh, she's probably uh, gonna have a lot of problems. She could maybe bipolar or something. You know, not her form, but still, she's gonna get into trouble. She's gonna have a questionable uh, teenage years. But Brian, he didn't do anything wrong, and he's a good kid, and he's just getting bullied around by this this person and that person, right? The all the other characters in there are are not redeemable at all, and definitely not uh, the princess. What's her name? Uh, Claire and uh, the jock uh, Emilio Estevez. Ain't nobody care about those. And John the criminal. Those three people ain't redeemable. They're horrible people. Horrible. And at the end, it's not even told. We don't know whether they are better people. All we know is that the two worst people got together at the end of the movie. That's all we know. And we're supposed to cheer that Judd Nelson gets a gets an earring and walks out of the movie looking like Dennis Rodman and then and, and, and pumps his fist in the air. No, thank you. They all had Brian doing their homework at the end. They didn't learn shit. They didn't let... You're the best person to write this, Brian. You're the best person to write this. Because uh, cause John can't read and write. And, uh, and Claire... 
Uh, arguably can't read and write either. Uh, okay. That wasn't what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about observational drawing uh, versus inventive drawing. <clears throat> observational drawing ties into <clears throat> perspective drawing as well as uh, inventive drawing ties into perspective drawing. They're all related uh, practices. Now, observational drawing is the, uh, the standard kind you learn in a drawing one class or in high school drawing or, or figure drawing class is always observational drawing because you're looking at something and you're making an attempt to record uh, or document is a better word. Record is not a good word at all. Document uh, your perception of what you're looking at. So the documented, the uh, as they say in the in the fine arts world, uh, the uh, <coughs> the artifact of the act of uh, of documenting what we've seen, the artifact becomes the drawing itself. And in the fine arts, the artifact is very important, and it shows the process. So drawing is the uh, the process of creating an artifact of an observed thing in reality. But what you end up with is not only a perception of reality from a very specific point of view, but it's also an um, abstraction of reality that only human beings understand. And I've talked about that before, how my little buddy Bebo, he, he can't distinguish a bird. He can't distinguish a drawing of a bird from a piece of paper with text on it. He doesn't know the difference. It's just a bird. It's, no, it's just nothing to him. Now, a mirror, he'll go crazy for. And that's an interesting thing that I have no idea how that works. All I can say is, drawing is a very human act, and the perception of uh, the abstraction of drawing and, and, and being able to uh, interpret the artifact is a very human act as well. <clears throat> or a very human thing, a very human behavior. <clears throat> So what does this mean? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to trying to work out what I, what I actually mean by this. I feel that it's very important to learn how to do observational drawing so that one might move toward inventive drawing. And what is inventive drawing? Inventive drawing is the the act of doing that exact same thing without being able to observe the thing that you're documenting uh, directly in front of you. And we're all very, very, very familiar with inventive drawing because it's everything that we look at every day for the most part. Uh, in the old days, Norman Rockwell and, and all those magazine greats, they painted from a lot of reference. And all the way back before that, we're talking about uh, the Art Nouveau movement, etc. Uh, and even way before that, they're all uh, using observational drawing. But the end result is very inventive. It's not the same as a photograph. And that's why I have less respect, or less interest, I should say, which is not as loaded a term. I have less interest in uh, drawings that are very, very on, on, uh, close to the source. In terms of observation, you can always tell when something's drawn from a photograph. 
unless the artist is able to do inventive change and inventive sorts of abstraction to the original source material in the artifact that they create. <clears throat> so what does this have to do with anything? It's an interesting thing that one cannot be particularly skilled at inventive drawing uh, without doing a bunch of practice of observational drawing. And I have noticed that it takes time doing observational drawing, a very analytical and very, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, it's very analytical and very uh, uh, calculated and measured in scientific sorts of drawing. It takes a lot of that to get to a point uh, where you can be inventive because you're building basically a library in your mind. Uh, and that library is very important. Without that library in your mind, uh, you can't invent anything. You need photo reference for everything. So the ultimate goal is an artist, I think, and I think is my point in saying this at all, is to get to the point where your observational drawing skills are finally honed enough and your imagination is good enough and that your library of imagine or your library of observed and drawn objects is uh, sufficient enough. You got enough books on at their shelf so that you can move toward inventive drawing with, with relative ease, without a lot of uh, confusion, without a lot of checking. Uh, because honestly, to be able to sketch inventively from your mind is always my ultimate goal. And I believe this is territory I've covered before. Uh, but I'm in a position right now to think about this, and to think about how one would instruct uh, a new, a beginning artist, how, how to move their mind from inventive or observational to inventive drawing. And it's complicated, you know. <clears throat> how does one do that? I'm losing my voice. I, went, I got too worked up with the breakfast club. Now I'm losing my voice. Excellent. Fucking John Nelson, man. John the criminal, you know? This guy. What's so great about this guy? He's a bully. He's a, he's a misogynist. Uh, he's, a, he's a sexual predator. Why are, we, why, are we, why are we happy that he's pumping his fist at the end? You know what I mean? Next thing you know, he's going to be pumping his fist into that that poor girl's face. That's what I think of John the Criminal. Okay. <clears throat> if you want to observe uh, and draw and document, basically, create an artifact of the observation, uh, it's necessary to use uh, certain procedures, certain methodologies, uh, certain uh, 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 processes, that are uh, tried and true. And I would like to spend some time covering <clears throat> those processes first and then moving toward what I think those processes ultimately lead to, which is a basic understanding of form and how to represent form in two-dimensional space and then how to do that with only your mind and limited reference or no reference at all. And ultimately, that is the goal, I think. <clears throat> now, how does that tie into perspective drawing? Uh, 
my original topic, for, uh, to which we are taking, from which we are taking a tributary uh, uh, route, uh, much like when the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition split up, said I wanted them to go to Oregon. Thankfully, they went to Oregon and then spoiled Oregon as well. So thank you, Lewis and Clark. I think that was Sinclair. Sinclair Lewis. What am I talking about? What was his name? Meriwether Lewis or some such thing. Meriwether? Is that correct? What's that guy's name? Uh, who knows? Who cares? What am I saying? Uh, the perspective drawing ultimately ties in to both observational and inventive drawing. And here's why. When you're observing something, you don't need perspective. You don't need to understand perspective very well. You don't need to, you don't need to drop in a horizon line and, and, and put your, pull your straight edges out because it's all in front of you. So all you need to know how to do is document the lines that you see. And a lot of times with, with organic things, you don't see those lines anyway. It's usually within organic things or things that recede into space that are organic. For example, deep space. Like if you got two figures and they're about, uh, I don't know, six feet apart. Then you can see that kind of thing. <clears throat> but with, a, with a inorganic objects, the, the perspective becomes very clear. And all you have to do is be good at documenting and creating an artifact of your point of view and your perception of what you're observing. Okay. What does help, however, where it is important to understand perspective, is because it all starts from observation, and as soon as someone points out to you that the why or the how of what you're observing, uh, for example, if you're looking at boxes stacked in space, and you're, you're at eye level with one of the boxes, but then one of the boxes is above your eye level, one of them is below your eye level. So let's talk about a stack of four boxes, five boxes, and the one right in the middle, that's one, two, three from the bottom, and one, two, three from the top, that's the one right in the middle. <clears throat> that one is at your eye level, that means you have two boxes above and below your eye level. You can observe those lines and draw those lines. But understanding why they look the way they look will help you to get that accurate. And more importantly, when the boxes are removed from your point of, from your, uh, from your point of view, when you can no longer see the boxes, or when your point of view changes, for example, you sit down or stand up and your eye level changes, you'll understand why the lines are different. Not just that they are different. It helps. So then when the boxes are taken away and the exercise repeats itself, uh, wherein you're drawing the same boxes only this time from your mind, you have a point of reference other than your imagination. Because the imagination is tricky. It's shifty. You know how that is. Boy, I remember some things just from last year that weren't, that weren't the way that I remember them at all. Uh, that is a blessing for some things, and that is a curse for others. We're not very good with detail. Even artists are not very good with detail unless they force themselves to be. This exercise has been played out a hundred times over for uh, creatives and non-creatives alike, where you're given something to look at, and then you're asked a bunch of details about that thing you looked at, 
without having the thing in front of you anymore. It's it's hilarious how few actual details we can remember, unless they were details that were very meaningful to us, or we had forced ourselves to record those details in our minds. That's an interesting thing, and it's a wonder we can get by it all. And it's because, I don't think it's because we don't document those things with our brains. I think it's because we can't retrieve them. Because uh, there are plenty of times where I drive to work without thinking about what I'm looking at. But I know the route. I know the route. Based on uh, signs and symbols. I'm not looking at the reading the street signs anymore. I, I recognize the general uh, aspect of the, uh, of it. my perception of the drive is recorded. But if you ask me a specific detail about a building that I pass a uh, hundred times a day, I couldn't tell you so such great detail of things about that, that building. I wouldn't be able to know that. <coughs> such is the human mind. Even the artist's mind. Now, the artist has trained themselves a little bit to look beyond and to, to, to document. But the act of drawing forces that. Therefore, the act of observational drawing is everything. That is the key to documenting what we're looking at. And then retrieving it later when you don't have the observed anymore. When you're doing the invented exercise. Right. So that's what I had to say about that. And that's... uh, That's something that I'd like to talk about a little bit in detail uh, before moving on uh, to true perspective drawing. Hey, how you doing here? Gotta wave at your co-workers and they'll think you're an asshole. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Gotta wave at your co-workers and they'll know you're an asshole. Okay. Uh, Let me just say this. For those of you in high school, (coughs) and by those of you, I mean the imaginary people in my mind. For those of you in high school, you want to strive to be a Brian. You don't want to be a John or a Claire. Or or an Emilio Estevez, either in the movie or in real life. <laughs> you don't want to be either of those things. And here's why. Uh, I think the, 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 what's that guy's name? The guy who's, uh, who's, uh, who's babysitting all those, those lunatics for the, for the day. Uh, I forgot his name. He's a teacher, right? Uh, okay. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. He says you want to see something really... At some point in the movie, he says you want to see something really funny. Uh, check in on John Bender in a, in a few years. And that that'll that's a wake-up call right there. And I agree with him. I can't argue with the man on that, on that particular point. You don't want to check in with John Bender. He's going to have a couple of cars on blocks in his yard. And, uh, and you're going to walk up and there'll be babies crying. And he'll be in a wife beater that with, with pizza stains on it. You don't want to go up to that guy and tell him uh, that, that, uh, that his son uh, uh, smashed into your parked car uh, while it was in the, the adjacent parking lot of your apartment building that you live in. I'm speaking from experience. Uh, I, had a, I had a wonderful uh, Honda Civic, one of my favorite cars. Oh, I love that car. And uh, some kid backed into it, you know, and he, and he lived in, in in a house adjacent to a studio, a piece of shit studio apartment I lived in. Uh, and I went over to the house and uh, the, the 
to say, hey, I think that the, there was an, a, an accident here. And the guy who answered the door was a, was a John Bender. And uh, he, regardless, needless to say, I didn't really get an insurance card from that particular family on that particular day. <laughs> and that's how I learned that even if you file a police report and take someone to small claims court, uh, you have to retrieve the money yourself. And uh, that means going back to the house in question and asking them politely uh, to uh, observe the law. Uh, which, if it didn't work the first time, it probably won't work the next time. Especially if money's involved. Anyway, observational uh, uh, moving toward pers- uh, uh, perspective and inventive drawing. Okay. I, yeah, and this is John, uh, uh, not jump in. This is Lenny D'Angelo. Okay. Boy, I was all over the map. I'll tell you what. <laughs>